We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome into the LakersNation.com podcast. I am Trevor Lane. We've got a lot to talk about on tonight's show. So if you're joining live from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter, welcome. Thank you guys for joining. we got a lot to discuss. As I said, uh, Summer League officially over. We're going to talk about whether or not the Lakers made the right selection where they took Jalen Hood Shafino, JHS, with the 17th pick. We'll also talk a little bit about Austin Reeves' future, what to expect here from the Lakers. Joining me tonight... We've got, he already added it in. Sean Sleepy Davis is awake for this show. That, that's great to see. Sean, welcome in. And Mark Cuddles as well. Guys, thanks for coming in. Hey, how you guys doing? Doing good. And uh, this is a one-time thing. This is my first time back on the show since uh, Vegas and since Trevor rightfully so roasted me in uh, a random pod so like one time only i'll give the people what they want and i'll uh we'll get away from the spaces we'll go sleepy for tonight sean I, i'm just glad to see that you are awake for this show uh, i know you've had a west coast swing here it's uh it's probably tired you out but i'm glad you managed to uh to keep your eyes open for this one I'm ready to go home. I think I tweeted that out earlier. I'm ready to go home. I love are LA. Not, are you not enjoying LA right now? Is that what's going on? Oh, LA is awesome. But like, I don't know. I'm just ready to go home. <laughs> Miss being That's at fair. work. That's fair. A little bit of traveling can go a, a long way. You were already in Vegas and now out, out to LA. Uh, for those of you who don't know what he's talking about, of course, I, I mentioned the story of Sean missing our team dinner on the last on the last show. Um, he slept through it, but, but, but to your credit, you were there for studio time and, and all of that. And, and, you know, you were there every other step of the way. You just happened to miss our big team dinner that we all look forward most to every single year. <laughs> Mark, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, man. I'm actually, I'm enjoying LA. unlike Sean, but I live here, so I guess it's a little different, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I took Sean actually, he rode with me from Vegas to LA. We had a little road trip together. Yeah, that's we that's did. right. How did that go? Did did Sean stay awake for the entire road trip? No, he slept most of the trip. <laughs> <laughs> so he's living up to his name actually really well. I think I woke up when we actually got to LA, had a pit stop before I got to my destination. But from that point on, I was awake. But the four hours the the drive was to LA, I was definitely asleep the whole time. <laughs> the night blame, before was a little uh, rough though. 
I blame Chris, the masterpiece masters for that. We are, we, we were out quite a bit late, um, the night before that, but that being said, so we've got plenty to dive into in today's show. Of course, summer league did just officially come to a conclusion. The, the Cavaliers wound up winning the summer league championship. We'll see if they hang a banner or not. Don't do it. Cleveland. Just don't do it. Don't nobody hang summer league banners, but, uh, the Cavs do win the whole thing, but, um, more importantly for Lakers fans, uh, Cam Whitmore won MVP oh uh, of Summer League. And that and see, here's the thing. It's not just Lakers fans. It's basically, I talked to Keith about this today on the front office show. It's basically anybody who picked after like the fifth pick, right? So six on, six through 19, anybody who, who selected there, their fan bases were saying, wait, Cam Whitmore is not supposed to be. He's supposed to go like five or something. Why is he still on the board? Oh, we should take him. Twitter is ablaze right now with Lakers fans saying, well, here's what Will Peterson saying. Kind of upset the Lakers didn't draft Kim Whitmore. <laughs> Would have been a great steal. So how are we feeling about the fact that Cam Whitmore, who fell all the way to 20, was mocked at five at one point, fell to 20. The Lakers could have taken him at 17, did not. How are we feeling now that he won MVP? Do you want to go, Mark? Or you yeah, go? yeah, I'll, I'll go first. Uh, for me, I don't put too much stock into it. Obviously, it's the easy thing to do right now. You know, a guy that dropped in the draft and then now he wins MVP in the summer league. You know, people are starving for some type of content and hot takes right now because there's not much to really talk about besides summer league. So I get it. And we were on here. I was. We we're all actually all here together and Keith as well on draft night. And we were like, when is Cam going to go? Where is he going to go? He's going to go here, right? He kept falling and falling and falling. But I I, I think it's a little bit of an overreaction. Um, I do like what I saw from JHS for the Lakers. He's a great playmaker. He has a good feel for the game. I do think there is a place for him as a point-of-attack defender as well. He has good yep. size at the position. So, yeah, I get it. I understand it's going to be the narrative now since he won – uh, Whitmore won MVP, so I totally get the reaction, but I, I do think it's a little bit overboard at this point. We are going to be hearing about this. The Lakers play from today in 81 days. We have 81 <laughs> days until the next Lakers Kobe. game. Kobe. And um, we're going to be hearing about it until then. Now, Cam Whitmore in the championship game tonight, he was a minus 23 14 points, three boards, six for 17 shooting, two for eight from three. Not an NBA player. How are you feeling about the fact that Cam Whitmore won Summer League MVP? Jalen Huchifino did not. JHS did not shoot the ball well during Summer League. And that has left a lot of fans concerned about the Lakers' decision to pick him at 17. How are you feeling about the situation? I'm going to start off with sympathizing with Laker fans and I guess the other 15 teams fan bases that passed up on Jade, uh, not JHS on uh, Cam Whitmore, because like I've talked about this whole time, he was fourth pretty consistently on my board, the entire process. And then only very late in the process that I bumped him to fifth because of Amin Thompson. So I get it right. Like Keith said six, I'm like at five, I'd be like, okay, cool. This is Cam Whitmore. So I, I get it. Right. I get the frustration. He's a very talented player, but I don't know. I just think you have to understand that I don't think teams pass them for a reason. Like Villanova's coach says, put them on blast for really unnecessary reasons. I don't know why I would do that. And obviously there's a bunch of other stuff going around with Cam Whitmore. So 
I get it. I get the frustration. But that at the same time doesn't mean that JHS won't be a good basketball player. I know we're going to talk about JHS a little bit more later on, but I still feel fine. I'm, I'm probably one of the like, more optimistic people in terms of how the Lakers performed on draft night and draft like that weekend, even if you count the two-way stuff and things of that nature. So I, I still feel exactly the same way I felt 10 minutes after the pick. I won't say two minutes after the pick because I was very – uh, if you go back and check the footage, I was not pleased, right, uh, <laughs> at, the, at that moment. But, like, my thoughts on the pick hasn't changed from, I don't know, if the Lakers picked at 10 o'clock Eastern. It hasn't changed from 10-10 Eastern to now, in my opinion. I think JHS could be a good basketball player. And like Mark said, he has a role in the NBA as an on-ball facilitator and playmaker, uh, shot creator even. And then defensively as a point of attack defender, I think he can be a really good defender. So I'm still very content with the Jalen Shafino pick over Cam Whitmore. I think sometimes we can react too strongly to Summer League. And that's where I remind people that, hey, look, Nikolaj Skidishvili was Summer League MVP at one point. That's and when name. you say who, well, there's a reason for that, right? He didn't last all that long in the NBA. Some guys show out in Summer League. And that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to have success in the NBA. Now, it also can mean they're going to have success in the NBA. So I'm not saying I'm down on Cam Whitmore. What I'm saying is that I think the JHS did show enough, but sometimes we focus too much on shooting. We focus too much on did the ball go into the basket or not. And I liked a lot of the other things we saw out of JHS. Unfortunately, he shot 31% from the field. But you know what happens when we have a small sample size? We overanalyze. Four games is not enough to make a concrete conclusion, especially for a brand new player who's a rookie, on whether or not this guy's going to be successful in the NBA. Again, 31% from the field, but just four games played when we look at uh, at Summer League here in, uh, in Las Vegas. And then you've got 36% from three that he shot, which I think is better than we would have expected. So there's some reason for optimism there. I don't think he's going to be a great shooter in the NBA. He also shot 46% from the free throw line, but I think he can be average. And if he is average, I think the other things that we saw him do, 1.5 steals, three assists, the rebounds, the size for the position, those, those things will start to matter more. But we tend to pay more attention to when this guy shoots, does the ball go into the basket? And if it does, we go, oh my gosh, this guy's going to be great. And if it doesn't, we get very down on the player right then and there. And... I think we just need to pump the brakes a little bit on JHS. I don't think Houston should be taking a victory lap on Cam Whitmore just yet. And I don't think Lakers fans should be bemoaning the selection of JHS just yet. It's simply too early. And right now we're caught in that small sample size that can be so, so dangerous. Really quick. Two points. One, you're right. Houston shouldn't be taking the victory lap because they probably already took the victory lap on draft night when he was still available <laughs> That's in 20. True. Uh, and two, I think you bring up a good point about JHS's shooting. For one, I think uh, somebody sent me this earlier. He was, if you take out the corner threes in his only season at Indiana, it's like a 38% three-point shooter. And I think a large part of that is because of what I think Trevor's outlying in that uh, segment, if you will, that he had about JHS. I think he's going to be a lot better of a pull-up jump shooter or pull-up three-point shooter than he is a spot-up guy. For what reason? I don't know. I think that probably lends more towards a little bit more of a fluid shooting motion for him because of how lethal and how potent his mid-range game is. It's just a little bit further back. 
um, especially off of ball screens, thing, things of that nature, which I thought we saw him operate out of at a high level, especially with good NBA floor spacing for the most part in summer league. Um, so I think the average part, I'm almost convinced that he'll be at least an average to an above average off the dribble shooter. I think it's a spot up game where you have mm-hmm. him off the ball to pair him next to Austin Reeves, for example, gives you more uh, versatility to say, okay, cool, we're going to go Austin pick and roll, JHS here, you either cut or you be a spot-up dude. I think that's where the improvement shooting-wise is going to have to come from. Yeah. 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 And I know we're going to go a deeper dive, but kind of piggybacking off of uh, Sean's point there, I think that is probably the concern with Lakers Nation is because we know on a LeBron-led team, the ball is right. going to be in his hands a lot, right? So JHS will be sitting around in the corner or on the wing when he's in the game if you got LeBron in there or even Austin Reeves or D'Lo, right? You have a lot of ball handlers already on this team. So I get from that aspect, but I'm looking at JHS as more of a long-term project, yeah. post-LeBron era. So then at that point, he will have the ball in his hands more mm-hmm. and they can kind of feed off of what he does best versus trying to have him fit what fits LeBron best, if you would. Um. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think the JHS is indeed seen as a long-term project by the Lakers. We'll talk a little bit about some of the other guys as well. We'll get into, you know, Max Lewis and some of the other guys that are projects, but that I think Mark speaks to a a bigger picture issue with summer league. We're all expecting every guy to get out there and just dominate. And if they don't, it's, Oh no, is this pick a bust? I think it's just, it's too soon with so many of these guys to proclaim a player is going to be a bust or not. I always go back to Trey young. Look, did not look good in summer league. And it turns out he's a pretty good NBA player. So I always caution against going too overboard with what we take away from summer league in either direction. It can give us a glimpse into what a player can be, but it doesn't, it's definitely far from being the end all be all on that. All right. Somebody Gabriel asked, did the Lakers manage to avoid the repeater tax? So as of right now, the answer is yes, because right now, they are currently below the tax threshold. They have $2.5 million in space below the tax. This is according to SpotTrack, which I always trust because my guy Keith Smith is behind the numbers here. Um, so that's where they're at currently. So with that being the case, I think that is more. I've been saying if I'm the Lakers, I sign two players, 14 and 15. I fill both those roster spots. Looking purely at the finances, the numbers, this would tell you that you probably only signed somebody for the 14th roster spot and not the 15th in order to stay below the tax. Don't trigger the repeater tax and, and you get those benefits of, of not being a tax team. So that's where they're sitting at currently. Again, as contracts come in though, and as we get the specific details, there's always a chance that this stuff can change a bit. But as of right now, it does look like they, they were able to dodge that. Again, if they had a 14th and 15th player, that would put them into the tax though. Really quick, somebody in the chat just commented, uh, JHS needs a good acronym. I don't know if you tweet this out, so if you did, I'm stealing it from you. Uh-huh. Is Jalen Hood Thurfino a good one? I if like Thurfino. I tried to do Shithrino. No. And it, it actually, and I tried it. I put it out there on Twitter. And if you read it, if you look at it, there's a certain four-letter word that gets spelled at the beginning of it, and it's just sending the wrong kind of message. <laughs> and, and so I think Threefino mm-hmm. makes more makes more sense. Yeah, there's kids um, watching, Trevor. 
kids right Ex- exactly exactly we're gonna keep it fa- family i tweeted out and then i went oh no oh no <laughs> this is this is not what i was going for so we're gonna go with with three fino especially because he goes by fino like that that acronym matters to him and, and everything um so we're gonna go with three fino for for jhs when we're uh, when we're trying to get punny when he shoots a, a three ball so that's what i'm gonna go with the initial Not attempt the one. it it fell far for far far short how about jalen hood and one i don't know that's a reach for an and one that's a reach that's a little much i feel like that's, yeah that's that's, that's a yeah. bit much trevor tried to say that <laughs> during the game <laughs> <laughs> yeah calling castle and one that's not bad that's not bad, right? That's not bad. Although it still it still doesn't, you know, the the bar is set at at and one Thinny Davis. Yeah. That's that's go, still that is that's the, the standard bar. Bear. Not good enough. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see on uh, playback next season. We're gonna it's gonna have to come organically, right? That's the thing about all this kind of stuff. It's just gotta it's gotta be in the moment and it's just gotta feel right when you get into uh what kind of uh puns we want to throw into a player's name. All right. Uh Syed said, Sean, thoughts on Gary Trent Jr. My bl- brother loves him. So sticking with, and he also is advocating later on here in the chat for a trade, D'Lo for Gary Trent Jr. So let's say the trade deadline is coming up. We're past December 15th. So both these guys are trade eligible. D'Angelo Russell did not negotiate a no trade clause into his deal. In fact, the Lakers negotiated the no trade out of his deal. So he is trade eligible. Probably the Lakers well, biggest trade chip. If that trade is on the table based on what we know right now, D'Lo for Gary Trent Jr. Sean, are you pulling the trigger? I don't think so. I wouldn't be opposed to it, but I don't know. I, 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 I'd rather not personally. Um, I'm, even though I'm apparently the D'Angelo Russell hater on the staff, <laughs> I'm, more than perfectly fine with just riding the season out with D'Angelo Russell. Like that is not a bad idea, in my opinion. If you're sold on Austin Reeves being the point guard, which technically he said on this show last year uh, in preseason or maybe it was training camp that he wants more point guard reps. If you want Austin to be your point guard, I can get that vision. So you can definitely sell me on it. But I think having the versatility of Austin being able to go one or two. Whereas in that trade, you're basically saying Austin Reese is our point guard, unless you want to start Gabe, which I think would be the wrong move in my opinion, because the Gabe's a lot better if he is a backup, kind of in a Dennis Schroeder type of way, where great backup. I'm a little iffy on them starting consistently. So in my opinion, you lose some rotational flexibility. You might gain more on-court flexibility because of Gary and what he provides, but I don't know. Me, it's a no, but I wouldn't be opposed to it. Yeah, Mark, I'm what are you doing? Fence. Yeah, I'm on the fence here. I can see arguments for, for both sides. I think I kind of lean towards where Sean's line of thinking is because the fact Austin Reese showed that he's a really good catch and shoot guy in the playoffs. I mean, he shot at an incredible rate, especially during that uh, Memphis series and just throughout the playoffs in general. He was yeah. really good uh, off the catch. So I really don't want to take that away from him. And I do like what Sean said, like the versatility of having him play the one or the two. And then obviously you still have LeBron in the mix. And then if you keep D'Lo, then you just, I, I think you could never have enough ball handlers. I, I'm, I firmly mm, believe that. That's what the AT Lakers team will say otherwise. So, <laughs> Le, LeBron's first year? Yeah, but with LeBron at his age now, it's going to be, what, year 21? 
you know, obviously he's playing a little bit more off the ball now. So I do think it's a good luxury to have D'Lo and Austin Reeves to kind of carry that duty and have LeBron maybe work from the post more. So mm-hmm. I, I do think I would rather keep D'Lo in that scenario versus getting to Gary Trent Jr. Really quick to add on to Mark's point, Austin Reeves shot, if you round up, 41% on catch and shoot looks last season. Might be even a little bit better. It was like 38% off the dribble look. Still really good efficiency, just low volume. So if there's a world where I can get Austin Reeves to bump up that volume on off the dribble three-point attempts, but still keep good volume on spot-up threes, I think that's what ideally is the best-case scenario for this Lakers team. But go ahead, Trev. So... I think the part of when we think about D'Angelo Russell, people think about what are his shortcomings. And one of the things we land on, and rightfully so, is defense. And when you think about Gary Trent Jr., there's this notion out there that he's a great defensive player. <laughs> and what tends to happen with defense is once you get the, the label of being a good defender, it tends to stick with you regardless of what the numbers uh, of whether or not the numbers back that up. And I think the reason for that is because it's harder for particularly off ball defense to really stand out to you. It's harder for that to jump off the screen because what are we doing? We're watching the ball, right? So off ball defense, if if that's your thing is, is not something that you're going to notice nearly as much in defense in general, unless you're the guy that's getting all these big highlight reel blocks or something like that. It just doesn't stand out as much. Whereas it's very easy to go, Hey, that guy is scoring a lot of points. He must be good. It's easier to find good offensive players. So Gary Trent Jr. in the 2020-2021 season, you can see it in his numbers. That's that's when the idea that he's a good defensive player came about. But I want to read you where he ranks, this is per cleaning the glass, relative to his position defensively in terms of how many points that his team gives up with him on the floor. So this is compared to other players who play at his position in terms of what percentile he is in. The higher the number, the better, right? 100 means you're the best of the best. His, uh, not his rookie season, but his second season with Portland, 26th percentile. Third season, 68th percentile. Suddenly, Gary Trent Jr. being a good defender becomes a thing. The next season, he goes to Toronto, Fifth percentile. That means he's one of the worst in the NBA. The next season, 28th percentile. The season after that, 32nd percentile. And that was last season. So there's this idea that he's this defensive stopper. And he's really only had one season where his team has been better defensively when he's been on the floor in his entire NBA career. I'm not saying that he's a bad player. I'm not saying that he's not somebody the Lakers should target. But what I'm saying is if you're trying to solve the issue of defense, if you're looking for a guy who's going to be a new KCP and is going to come in and be this three and D player, Gary Trent Jr. Probably isn't that guy, even though there is that sort of thinking around his game. For some reason, it just continues to persist when he's just not really that level of defender. That's not what the numbers tell us. I was trying to really quickly scramble and find some more analytics to support your case, but maybe I'll find it later. I agree with you, though, all all in all. Yeah, I, I think uh, if D'Lo's versatility on the offensive end would probably cause me to stick with, with him because he can handle the ball, he can play off ball. I like Gary Trent Jr. If you can get him some other way, that's fine. Um, if D'Lo's just not working, if there's a, a fit issue and you're solving a fit problem, I just don't think if you're saying, man, the issue is defense, we need to fix that, I don't think Gary Trent Jr. is the solution to that problem. 
Yeah, I mean, you made a good point about as far as the reputation, because we see that all the time, right? If a guy was a, a defender some year, like 10 years ago, they're still going to be like, well, he's a 3 and D guy, even though that was like, no, he's not the same guy anymore. So I do agree with that reputation thing. It's definitely a thing that sticks with, especially guys that are quote unquote lockdown defenders. So that's a good point. All right. Chelsea with a, with a easier, no in-depth analysis here says birthday plans for Sean, Sean, your, your 46th birthday coming up. Uh, what are you going to do? <laughs> How are you going to live it up? Uh, I don't know if there's a pod that we have to do the night before. I'll probably hop on that and I don't know, be working. I'm actually Trevor for the front office show. I'm recording the first, um, power rankings episode that day. So, yeah, it'll be fun. I'll probably go to dinner. That's probably it. I'm 46, so it's nothing I can do. So you're going to spend your birthday working is what is what you're saying. Heck yeah. This it's is a good fun. answer. I like it. I like it. Go ahead and get I you like a it. drink. Get a drink at the bar too while you're at it. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. I'm in LA. <laughs> might as well. Syed <laughs> says, Cam Whitmore won't even crack Houston's rotation. Jalen Hood Shafino won't crack our rotation. Oh, I just hate yeah. this argument. I hate that argument. The 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 first year, right? The first year, but is he right? Does Cam Whitmore get minutes? Like Houston is a much younger team, but they did add. I mean, they added Villain Brooks. They added. Uh, they they added Fred VanVleet. Does Cam Whitmore factor into the rotation in Houston this season? I think there's a pathway for him to get in the rotation. I think there is. What wings do they have? They have Dylan, they have Tari, they have Jabari. Is that it? Or am I blanking? Yeah. That's Let me look so at yeah. their depth chart. If that's it, then yeah, there's a world. I was being more facetious, but there's definitely a world where Cam Wilmark can crack that rotation. Um, he's a really good player. I mean, are, are they trying to win this year? I mean, right, they spent a lot of money, right, on Fred Van Vliet. You got yeah. Dylan Brooks. They're not they trying to tank. Are they trying to make the play-in at least? Is that the goal? They're gonna try. They won't. They're gonna try to. They've try. got. I mean, they've got Amon Thompson, but they, they can use him as more of a ball handler. That's the way I was. I was thinking of him. Brooks, Jabari Smith, Tari Eason. I thought was really good in summer league. Oh, they also have Jeff Green. I forgot about Jeff Green to Houston. Are they gonna use them as a stretch five though, like Denver did? Or are they gonna use them? I as think a they're four? gonna use him as an adult. He's gonna be the. <laughs> he's gonna be the adult in the room, in Houston, and that's that's the plan for him. Him and Fred Van Vliet. Are the adults in the room? It's not. I mean, they had a Dylan Brooks, but I don't think that helps you in that in that category. So I, I think it's going to be on Fred Van Vliet and and Jeff Green to kind of be the the adults in the room on a very very young Houston team. But yeah, of course, I don't think they're going to win a ton, but they're going to try to. And that's that actually, you know, obviously this is a Lakers show that speaks to a bigger concern for the Lakers and the Western Conference in general. Like Houston is better. You can say they're still not a playoff team. They're better than they were last year with Fred Van Vliet with Dylan Brooks. With Jeff Green, they added, of course, they add uh, Amon Thompson. They're better than last year. San Antonio, mm -hmm. are they a playoff team? Probably not, but they're better than they were last year. The Western Conference is going to be that much more difficult this year. We said last year was a dogfight. My goodness, this is going to be, it's going to be brutal. I mean, there's going to be, what, three, four playoff quality teams that are not going to make the postseason in the West this year. It could come down to injuries, but that's going to be a storyline for us to follow all throughout the season is what pretty good team teams are on the outside looking in come playoff time in the West. The only team that 
it, you can almost bank on probably not making the playoffs and probably being really bad. It's Portland if they make a Dame trade. If Otherwise, every other team in the West. You can make an be, argument. Yeah. Yeah. Every other team in the West is going to be semi-competitive, if not better. Yeah. Yep. It's going to be and then, interesting. Trevor, not even the guys that those teams added, like the Houston's and San Antonio's, just the guys they had on their team already, just making the natural progression, right? Because they're already young, right? You expect Jalen Green to take another leap, right? They're hoping mm-hmm. for a Jabari Smith to, to show signs this year. So, yeah, just the natural progression as well, in addition to what they added, are something, something to look out for. All right, Julian Rojas said, I want to welcome the newest little Laker fan to Lakers Nation. My daughter Gianna was born yesterday morning. I'm beyond excited hey. to welcome her to the family. Can't wait to get her the Mamba Cita GG jersey, man. You, Julian, congratulations. Sincerely, congratulations nice. to you, to your family uh, on the birth of your daughter. That is absolutely phenomenal stuff. I hope you're getting enough sleep. Those are those are difficult days, uh, Mark. You know what I'm talking about. But but seriously, welcome. Enjoy those days. Enjoy that that time. Um, absolutely unbelievable. And and again, huge congratulations. Yeah, that's awesome. congratulations. That's awesome, man. Huge congrats. Much, such a blessing. And then to go with the with the name uh, with the name Gianna. That's fantastic. Yeah, I like, like that name. It's a good name. Yeah, that's great. Great name. That's great. All right, let's get into actually, you know, I've got I do have uh, a bunch more super chats to do, but let's get into this. So Darvin Ham on Mark Stein and Chris Haynes podcast the other day said very definitively that Austin Reeves is going to be an all star. And so I want to ask you guys, what's Austin's ceiling is all star in Austin's future? Is that is that something that he can get to this next season or within the next He's got at least three seasons left under contract with the Lakers. Fourth season is a player option. Sometime in these next three seasons, will Austin Reeves be an all-star in the Western Conference? You can go first, Sean. I think Austin Reeves will be an all-star caliber guy. I think that's his ceiling. Kind of CJ McCollum-esque, where I don't know if he'll ever get it, CJ in his prime. I don't know if he'll ever get the nod, but he'll always be hovering. He'll always be in the conversation always be producing around all-star-ish numbers where it's like 23 like in a couple years post lebron probably whereas 22 23 points six seven assists good efficiency but definitely not this year man you look at the level of guards in the in the west still steph i pray to god damien Lillard gets out of the western conference but they keep them steph dame luca trey not trey ja darren fox um i'm blanking now like but my point Kyrie irving there's just so many high level guards in the western conference where i'm like this year not a shot in my opinion but a couple years down the road yeah absolutely he could definitely be an all-star caliber guy where he's gonna be in the mix and he's gonna put up great numbers yeah this is funny because i actually i tweeted this before i do think he can be an all-star i'm not sure if it's gonna be this year but i think it'll be one of the situations where you have like some injuries or, or, you know, reserves type of situation to fill in. I don't think he'll just be a straight up all-star for everybody's healthy. Cause like Sean said, the West is just so stacked. I mean, everybody just keeps coming over here. Kyrie's over here now. Like you said, Sean, hopefully Dame leaves and goes to the East to kind of go to Brooklyn. Brooklyn's nice. 
I mean, everybody's in the West now. Mm -hmm. It's so loaded. So that's the reason why I have a hesitation there. But like we've seen before, guys get that one all-star bid because of some injuries or, you know, guys just didn't want to do it and it was like a fill-in situation. But just considering how deep it is, man, it's going to be really hard. But there is a pathway. And I think he's in a perfect situation for it to happen because he plays for the purple and gold. So let's say the Lakers are a top two, three seed. And he's clearly the third best player behind AD and LeBron. Lakers are balling. One of the best records in the league. And he's putting up good numbers. That could be a pathway because we know the Laker fan base is huge. And the fan vote does matter when it comes to this. And we saw Andrew Wiggins make the all-star team <laughs> a year ago. And you guys know I love Andrew Wiggins. But let's just be honest. He wouldn't have made it if he didn't play under that warrior That's shield. That big fan base. Great record. You got Steph Curry there. So I do think he could have that type of pathway to make it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think... I think you guys are spot on with this. I think that the West, it's too deep at the guard position. You guys name some of the names. Steph, Ja, Fox, Booker, Beal. I, I mean, it's on Booker, cheese. Right, right? I mean, that's that's just it, right? There's guys that we're leaving off when we start naming some of these names, right? There's so many guards out there. So I think the key word there is all-star caliber. Because actually making it the West is going to be really difficult. Yeah, you might be able to get the fan vote, but remember, it's not all in the fan vote anymore. 50% of it comes uh, from the players, from the media. So it's going to be difficult. It's going to be very difficult, be very difficult for Austin to become an actual, in fact, all-star. I think all-star caliber, that is very much uh, out there for him to get. He can, he, he can hit that level. I think you could argue that if he played the way that he did to finish the season, if he played the way he did in the playoffs, he was already there. He was already at an all-star caliber player. As far as actually making the all-star team, I think there's just so many big names in the West. It's going to be very, very difficult to do it. I'm here for it. I want to see it happen. Lakers Nation, stuff those ballot box and let's get Austin Reeves an all-star spot. But I think it's going to be tough for him to do it in the West. I think hitting that level of play, though, that's that's what's truly in the cards for him. We need to get an Austin Reeves for All Star uh, campaign trail going, Le led oh, by Trevor Lane, owner of Laker Nation. Yeah, we could we can make something like that happen. I'm sure we can figure out a way. I'm sure we can figure out a way to to make that happen. We'll organize some uh, some voting drives and things like that. Yeah, I think we can make that work. There's a way. There's a way. There is a way. All right, let's get into a few more of these questions because I know they're going to bounce around to a lot of topics that we're going to get into. In fact, the next topic I wanted to get into, the next question addresses it. Davion said, we need Christian Wood. He takes the scoring load off AD and allows him to focus on defense against certain opponents. Also, we can trust him and our other role players enough to let LeBron and AD sit in certain games. So I put it out there on social media. I said, Bismack Biombo or Christian Wood? Who do you want? If you could pick either guy for the Lakers, Christian Wood won most of the votes. Are we still in on, on Christian Wood being the guy the Lakers need to get? How are we feeling about this? I'll go first here. Yes, it's Christian Wood. We don't have to overthink this. I mean, from a pure talent standpoint, it's not even close, right? And I can get the argument from Biombo. He's not high maintenance. He knows his job. He's going to go in there, get dirty, get the rebounds, play defense. I get all of that. 
But as far as the upside and you get them for a similar price, I'm going with Christian Wood here. I think it's a slam dunk. I mean, he can play the five. He can stretch the floor. You can have AD out there and you still have floor spacing at the five position. I do think I wish it was a better rim protector. Kind of was underwhelming there in that department Mm -hmm. throughout his career. I know Dallas thought maybe they can kind of flip the switch there, but it didn't work out. But I think as long as you got AD being a roamer there, I think you're fine. And the offensive potential is through the roof. I, I think it's a slam dunk. Go get Christian Wood. I'm a little bit more on the fence. If you're telling me both right now, like both are calling my phone right now and said, I'll do it. I'm telling Christian Wood to like, yep, I got you. Christian, let's go right right now. But I'm going to ask you all a question. If you have to promise Christian Wood that he's going to start, are you doing it? No. No. Promise no, no, no. 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 There's no way, I, and, and that's that's a, that's an important point. That's yeah. an important point because here's the thing. Here's what, and I talked about this on yesterday's show. Which one of those guys will be okay if he isn't called upon for three, four games? Ding, ding, ding. And we're gonna get to this in future shows, but I built out a couple of rotations builder, like just mocks or whatever. Got slandered for both of them. Go figure. Um, but the biggest problem that you run into, which is a good problem, albeit and something the Lakers haven't had probably since the championship season, was there are a lot of wings and somebody's not going to get enough minutes, right? So, for example, first iteration, I think Vanda only got 14 or 15 minutes, right? And immediately, goal number one for me heading into the second rotation was, crap, I got to give Vanda more minutes, which means you're cutting out maybe some of Rui's minutes or some of Torian Prince's minutes. And LeBron, Rui, Vando, uh, LeBron, Rui, Vando, Cam Reddish, Torian Prince. I view Max Christie probably as your backup too. So that's five dudes competing for three, four minutes. And you throw Christian Wood into the mix. That's arguably two more dudes that are competing for those minutes because AD would likely get some four minutes and Christian Wood would also likely get some four minutes. So, I don't know. Right now, I think you just do it because of what Mark said, the upside play, etc. But one last part I'll throw out there. If Bismack Biombo is willing to do it right now and Christian Wood isn't, I just do Bismack Biombo because I really do think Christian Wood, and this is a point that you keep and uh, Jake Fisher made on the front office show a week or so ago, that Miami is on this signing freeze, if you will, right now. Mm-hmm. And Christian Wood's a guy, in my opinion, that if he's still on the table in, I don't know, September, for example, for the same price, the same amount of teams are going to be calling his phone. So if I'm Christian Wood, let me wait out Miami. Let me see if Miami is going to have a little bit more spending power. Are they going to get Dame? And Miami, for a better minimum, still looks really attractive, right? Whereas Bismack, I think Bismack has his options, and it's the Lakers and a couple other teams, so... If Bismack is ready right now and Christian is it, I'd probably just go Bismack personally. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Yeah, that's going to be a big question. It's how long does Christian Wood want to wait? And I get it. If I'm Christian Wood, I'm waiting. Because, like you said, a minimum offer that's there right now is a minimum offer that's probably there a month from now. He's probably better than a minimum player. In fact, in in a nutshell, like which player is better? Christian Wood or Bismack Biombo? It's probably Christian Wood. He's probably the better of the two players. In terms of who's the better fit, I think you can make an argument for Biombo. Uh, Christian Wood would be hard to turn down. But what's what are you selling? If you're the Lakers, you're telling Christian Wood, hey, and they've already put it out there. We're going to play a big next to AD. We're going to do that a little bit. So that's important, right? Because, hey, we're, you're not you're not just competing for the 12 minutes or whatever that Anthony Davis is not on the floor. You're competing potentially to play next to Anthony Davis as well. So you could play more minutes than that. So that's important. And then you look at the roster and you say, who do you have to beat if you're Christian Wood and you sign with the Lakers? Who do you have to beat out for minutes? Jackson Hayes. That's 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 their main challenger for minutes. It's Jackson Hayes. So I think there are some things that from Christian Woods perspective would be interesting, would be appealing. But nonetheless, it's still a minimum contract. And I think if there's a team that comes along and says the word, the magic words above minimum or starting job, I think he goes to that team and, and probably rightfully so. So a lot of fans are, are getting anxious and saying, what, just sign the guy already. I don't think he's ready to sign with anybody unless somebody says starting job or we've got 5 million or, or whatever it is that, uh, that somebody can give. And the Lakers can't say either of those things. Yeah. I think if you're the Lakers though, what you can sell and if you sign him, obviously I think you're going to say he's going to get some minutes, right? He's going to be in the rotation in some capacity. How much is a question mark, but at the same time, you're selling him a team that just went to the Western conference finals you're selling him playing for the Lakers brand, playing quality basketball, important basketball late into the season, into the summer, which could help you in turn get a bigger contract next summer, right? It's kind of like not to go to football, but it's kind of like how Juju with the Chiefs this year. He signed, oh, a, one boo. Year, no. he signed, a, he signed a one-year deal. He, he went to the Super Bowl, won the Super Bowl, had a good season, and then he, he got a good contract with New England. So I think it's mm -hmm. a it's a leapfrog move. It's to get to the, the bigger move. It's one step there. So I, that's what you're selling if you're the Lakers, if you're selling it to Christian Wood, I believe. So it's, the, it's the Malik Beasley, the Dennis Schroeder, right? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You we you, you use us for one year to get your status up, and then you leave for a bigger payday. Well, and then you, and you clear the way for, for, for Kadarius Tony yeah, to be no. great for my dynasty team. <laughs> Didn't I trade you Kadarius Tony? You in probably my did. Awful three-month... 
uh, start to my tenure as I Dynasty think, GM. I think I sent you a trade offer, by the way, which you may need to go check out. I think yeah. I remembered considering it. Uh, I don't know. We'll talk. I wouldn't be surprised if you said no. Look at yeah, okay. talking Chiefs on a Lakers podcast. Is <laughs> Almost Mark, my mouth Mark's evil plan is coming to fruition here. <laughs> He's slowly transitioning this over to Chiefs talk. Uh, Space Cadet, uh, Sean, this is you. Convince me Max can replace Lonnie Walker off the bench. B- better fit. I'm assuming Max Christie. I'm hoping Max Christie. He's just simply the better fit, quite frankly. He's the far superior defender. And that's not even a knock at Lonnie, but that's just not what Lonnie was good at. And I thought Darwin did a fairly decent job at getting the most out of Lonnie defensively. But he's just a cleaner fit, man. Next to LeBron, D'Lo, Austin. I mean, like Mark said, it's a good problem to have, but the Lakers have a bunch of ball handlers. You don't necessarily need another one. Max can be the spot-up dude. That can hit forty percent on catch and shoot threes. Be good deep. Uh, be a good defender. Good app. Good athlete. Not Lonnie Walker athlete, obviously. But then also offensively, which is super super important. This Darvin Ham offense. He still has some ability, and this is probably what was most on display in summer league. To be quite honest with you, to attack off a closeout and be able to make that secondary play. Whether it is I'm going to finish at the rim over you, like that nice dunk. I forget against who it was. Or making that secondary pass out of the the uh, attacking the closeout. So I think Max is just a cleaner fit to this roster, and also, yeah, I'm just gonna end there. It's a cleaner fit. Yeah, so, I got nothing much more to add. That was perfectly said. And what you said also about I'm glad you said making the secondary play, and you mentioned the pass. That was key to me. Because Lonnie Walker can make that play, but he's going right to the rim. I don't think he's really looking for the secondary pass there to skip pass across the court. So, but yeah, go ahead, Trevor. So I, I think the other piece to this is what is it you're looking to put alongside LeBron and AD? You're looking for a guy that Lonnie has a, a really interesting skill set. He can create shots for himself very well, but is that as valuable as a guy who can defend at a high level when you're playing with LeBron and AD? No, I give me the guy who can defend at a high level, particularly if that guy who can defend is a very efficient three-point shooter. Lonnie was good. Lonnie was better than I expected as a three-point shooter last season. I would have loved to have seen Lonnie come back, especially on a veteran minimum, which is what he got from Brooklyn. I would have loved to have seen him back. But Max Christie, during the season, shot better than 40% from three. It was a small sample size, though, so we didn't make a lot of it. But again, small sample size, in summer league, he shot 50% from three. Obviously, it's, that's not sustainable. I'm not saying Max Christie checked the box. This guy's a great three-point shooter. What I am saying is that we know what he can do defensively. I think he has much higher ceiling defensively than Lonnie Walker. And we've added a little bit more evidence. His shot, it's beautiful. I love watching Max Christie shoot. He is It's so fluid. He has just a great shooting form. And now we're adding on to that the percentages, right? He shot very well from three, again, in a relatively small sample size during the regular season. But now he's continued to shoot well from three in summer league. Again, small sample size. But the more and more we add to this sample size, the more we're getting a glimpse of what Max Christie maybe can be as a three-point shooter. Again, I can't check that box and say this guy's a great floor spacer and a knockdown three-point shooter. But we are on that path right now. And so that's how you ultimately wind up with Max being the better fit with this Lakers team. It's if this is real, if he is like a 38% plus three-point shooter and a good defender 
And he got to the free throw line, like which it's summer league. But again, he got to the free throw line like crazy. If you can do those things on this Lakers team, those things are more valuable than the things that Lonnie Walker brought. So what Trevor just said is Max Christie is the best three-point shooter in the NBA. Sign him up for the three-point contest. Sabrina, move over. He's not going to miss. He Sabrina missed two. He's get, Max is going to hit all of them. That's what's going to happen. That's what's going to Did you guys see that, by the way? Sabrina yeah. Uh, Ionescu? Yeah, I yeah. saw it. It's crazy. Unreal. Unreal. Yeah. Couldn't believe what I was saying there. Only missed two shots in yes. the WNBA three-point shootout. Nuts. <laughs> Absolutely unbelievable stuff. Incredible. Uh, Wicked Bronco. People gave me crap for being upset about us not taking the best player available in Cam Whitmore, especially with the shooting of JHS being a struggle. He shot like 38% in Summer League. That's terrible. Well, JHS actually shot even worse than that in Summer League um, when all was said and done. Again, small sample size. But what's interesting is you go look at Cam Whitmore, and it's not like he was just this insane. He shot 29% from three. 63% I'm rounding up to get there from the free throw line. He shot 46 and percent from the field, but it's not like Cam Whitmore was this sniper either, but and that's not counting tonight, right? Cause he shot six for 17 tonight. Yeah, I don't, it could be. I'm on, uh, I'm looking at real GM stats here. So cool. If I bring up the next one too, from wicked Bronco, cause it ties yeah, right do. into this one. Yep. Okay. So he also adds on that. I love JHS is passing a defense, but in the end, in this NBA, if you can't shoot, you won't make it. I hope he develops for Rob's sake, especially if Cam Whitmore becomes a star. I just turned 23 a day. Uh, day after LeBron changes his number, eyes emoji. Really quick, about the shooting thing. Okay, cool. I grade, for example, my draft process. I grade these tangible skills for each player, right? I thought Jayla Huchifino was a better shooter coming out than Cam Whitmore. So if we're talking about shooting, especially off the dribble shooting, I think Jayla Huchifino is a better off-the-dribble shooter than Cam Whitmore right now. And it ties into my point earlier. I think, uh, if you recall, last summer, Max Christie had a horrendous summer league. And I think this is going to be something kind of similar where JHS takes his bumps in summer league, which he did, shows some flashes still, which he did, He'll probably get some minutes at some point during the regular season just because it's an 82-game season. Stuff happens. It's likely. He'll probably get some minutes, so show flashes. And then next season is where JHS really shows up. He plays well in Summer League. He has a good season next year. I think he's on that trajectory. And like I mentioned with the shooting, especially off the dribble, the mechanics, the form, everything is fine off the dribble to where I'm like, okay, cool. There's something there, I think. When we talk about JHS shooting, like we discussed earlier, I think his biggest thing is going to be able to be more of an off-ball fit as mm -hmm. a shooter and a floor spacer. But I don't know, man. I don't think it's fair to overanalyze a dude from four games. Um, Cam looked great. JHS had his lumps, if you will, but he also still had really impactful plays that show up on, on the film and in the box score. Yeah, 100%. And now, kind of talk about, we talked about earlier, right, the fact that it's a small sample size, but he did show the flashes I love as a playmaker. I think that's really, really vital for a young guy. He really has a high IQ of the game. He really understands coverages and making the pass before the pass, right? He sees it before that everybody else does. I think that's a really key thing that we're going to see for the long term, like we mentioned earlier. Obviously, this year probably won't be in the rotation, but I think when you're looking post-LeBron, you're going to really see 
what he can bring to you as far as a playmaker. And then his shooting, like you mentioned, the form looks good. Like I've watched him in Indiana and, you know, the percentages may not have been as great, but it always looks good coming out of his hands, especially off the ball, like Sean mentioned as well. And we'll see more off the ball stuff later in his career, not right now. If he plays right now, he's obviously going to be off the ball more because you already have three primary ball handlers. But it's a big play. It's a long-term play. It's not about right now. Everybody pump the brakes just a little bit. Well, first and foremost, let me say Wicked Bronco. I know you've been, you've been around for a while on our channel. You've been watching our shows. Let me say happy birthday. Yeah, um, yeah. That's, that, that's, birthday. that's fantastic. Happy birthday. And uh, yeah, it, uh, clearly LeBron changing his number to 23 must be linked to the fact that it, that it is your birthday. Obviously, LeBron looked at that and said, oh, I got to change my number right now. So, uh, so now we know the real reason behind LeBron's number change. But I, I just think ultimately where I land with the Cam Whitmore versus JHS thing, look, in the minds of Lakers fans, they're going to be linked for years. We're going to be talking about this for years, about should did the Lakers make the wrong decision? Should they have taken this guy? Should they have taken that guy? Um, that's going to be a thing. But at some point, we're going to say they made the right, right decision or they made the wrong decision. That will become apparent. And it could very well be that Kim Whitmore winds up being the guy they should have taken. That is definitely possible. I just don't think that a handful of summer league games is enough to arrive at that conclusion just yet. I don't think we're, we're at that point. It's just too early. It's just too early. Yeah. Way, way, way too early. Uh, Wicked Bronco also adds in Hodge, who we need to talk about and Biombo or wood are my dream final signings. Hodge does exactly what ham wants. Uh, he plays defense and is a dog. I believe he shot like 60% from three. His confidence is insane. L.A. always needs more shooters. Well, uh, Bronco, I've got some really good news for you then. Uh, Des Moines Hodge is already signed. He's already a Laker. He is on a two-way contract with the Lakers right now. So he's already on the team. Now, that means that if the Lakers want, they can play him in as many as 50 games next season. Now, I know you're probably talking about giving him a full roster spot, but that's not something the Lakers have to do at this moment. Same thing with Colin Castleton. Uh, if they don't want to, they can, if they feel like that's the correct move to make, but it's not something they have to do. He's already under contracts. So that's great to see. Uh, what do you guys think about Des Moines Hodge, who obviously had a great conclusion to summer league. He tries to be like a mini version of Contavious Caldwell Pope. How are we feeling about him and his future in LA? I like him. I mean, he has good size. He's six, four. He shot at Mizzou his last year. 40% from three on seven attempts, seven attempts a game from three in college is pretty crazy. It's for him to shoot 40% still is really remarkable. Uh, he continued that obviously in the summer league. Um, he's a guy that really surprised a lot of people, right? Um, and I, I do think he is a guy that you can keep him around. He'll play, obviously probably play on the, the G league team. And, you know, he's one of those projects, right? You'll probably, you'll see him again next year in the summer league. And then maybe there'll be a spot open for him to really crack the rotation uh, for the long term. But congrats to him to be signed on the, the two-way deal. So you say he can be played 50 games this year? That's the max, right? For the That's two the most he can, he can play on a yeah, two-way so, deal. Yep. And like Sean said, things happen in the NBA. It's an 82-game season. Injuries happen. You know, guys go away for a little bit. It's a weird, long journey. So I wouldn't be shocked if he does get in there a couple times throughout the season. I think the best way I can, you know, give him a compliment without reiterating what, you know, Mark just said 
was me, well, myself, Mark, and Matthew Optimus. We were having a conversation about Demoy Hodge at Summer League. It was the, the Charlotte Hornets game. And the best way to describe his game is like a weird blend of Miami Heat Kendrick Nunn. Mm-hmm. Let's make sure that's clear. Miami Heat Kendrick Nunn and KCP, who obviously he models his game after to some extent. And I think he's super valuable. I think he's going to make a ton of sense for this Lakers team. And then I think him, Colin Castleton, Maxwell Lewis, Jalen Huchifino, Max Christie, in a year are going to be five really freaking good rotation players. And maybe for some of the other, like maybe Castleton, maybe you say it's another year. Okay, points still given. And then you throw in Austin Reeves, six dudes in the past three draft cycles, the Lakers, I think, will hit on. It's obviously unknown for five of them. But I'm fairly confident for these six guys in particular. And we obviously know about the Lakers, Sky Department, you know, their reputation, if you will, their resume. But three of those dudes being undrafted is insane. Mm-hmm. And then another dude being, no, two other guys being second round picks. Um, the Lakers are, I can't believe I'm going to reference this team again, but they're the they're almost like the Kansas City Chiefs, where every year, somehow, some way, there's going to be a second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth round pick. They're like, oh my God, how did he fall here? Trey Smith for the Chiefs is what I'm thinking of. And Maxwell Lewis this year is what I'm thinking of, where you're like, okay, cool. If you get, go back and watch the, our draft stream on draft night, by the time we got to pick 25 or whatever, I'm like, every pick, we're saying Maxwell Lewis, Maxwell Lewis, Maxwell Lewis, mm-hmm. and he just somehow falls to 40. Um, for the Lakers to be able to do that with these six guys and them all being, I think at least in a year or two, really good rotation players is really special. I love Demoy Hodge. Yeah, I think he's fantastic as well. I, I like a lot. I like a lot of what he what he showed. But um, let me just make this point. He is four and a half years older than JHS. Four and a half years. He's he's going to be twenty five this season. JHS just turned twenty. Right, like this. That's why when we look at at a guy like JHS, like he's got more runway until he's at his physical peak. Demoy Hodge doesn't. Again, if you find a guy who can be on your roster undrafted, that's huge. That's And I think that very well may be what they found with Demoy Hodge. I think we just always have to remember the context. Who has the most room to grow? Doesn't mean it's going to happen, but there is more upside potential there with a guy like, like JHS. And so it's just something we have to keep in mind. Demoy Hodge, did he look pretty polished compared to some other players? Yes. But also he should because he's older. Same thing with Colin Castleton, right? He's an older guy coming in. He was a senior. So these guys should look a bit more polished than guys like JHS do. Uh, and again, that's not me trying to take anything away from Dwayne Hodge. He's great. If he winds up being a fine for the Lakers, fantastic. It doesn't matter if he's going to be 25. If you can put him out there on the floor, you're fine with it, getting him undrafted. Just something to keep in mind when we're trying to compare, oh, why is Dwayne Hodge doing this and JHS still looks a little shaky? He's significantly older. Like that, that kind of thing matters. And it's something that because they're in the same draft class, sometimes we don't think about enough. Since I'm 46, I can go take Demoy Hodge out to a drink. I don't think I can do that with JHS yet. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. 
Uh, Syed, I'm not sure what he's what he's saying. Do you think the NBA Cup exposes our flaws and we tweak the roster? I read it as, do you think NBA cap experts or or like cap exposes our flaws and we tweak? I don't know. Maybe that's a reach. Yeah. Could it be the midseason tournament? I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. But we'll we'll move on on that one. Johnny said, what do you think about Wood and Oubre for the last spots? If you can get them talent-wise, it's great. Again, there's the luxury tax that gets kicked in and all that. But talent-wise, you you couldn't ask for more with 14 and 15. The question is, will they sign on if they know we're the 14th and 15th guy and there's a chance we're not in the rotation? That's where it gets a little tricky. No way Kelly Oubre does that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no chance. No chance. And, and if I'm their agents, I'm telling them, hell no. Don't don't sign on some place that tells you you might not play in, in three or four games or whatever. Think about like Dwight and JaVale, right? Back in 2020. Oh, Those wow. guys were just as excited to be on the sideline and the team being successful as they were to be on the floor. But they were also at a different phase of their careers. They'd made their money, they're veterans, and they were at a different spot. Those are the guys, that's what you need for the last round. You need that guy that's going to say, hey, if I can get on the floor and help, great. And if I'm not called upon, great. I, as long as we're successful, that's all I care about. Wood and Oubre Jr., they're in tremendous talents. And maybe you can argue Christian Wood would have a spot in the rotation. The question is, what if he doesn't? Then what happens? Then do you have a problem you have to deal with? Um, again, I probably still take the gamble. Both those guys say, hey, we'll sign up. Great. Let's do it. But you just do so kind of knowing that there could be an issue if it turns out that Cam Reddish beats out Kelly Oubre for for rotation minutes or Max Christie or whoever. Then, then you could have a problem on your hands. And to your point, Trevor, uh, real quick about the guys being in different parts of their career and phases, Kelly Oubre and Christian Wood are both 27 years old. Only 27. Yeah. I was going to ask really quickly, in Kelly Oubre's case, he could just – they offered him a qualifying offer, right? So if, like, stuff hits the fan, he would just pick that up and accept it, Mm -hmm. right? Um, With – Charlotte. Yeah, I believe so. I believe they did. I'd have to look and see. Um, Syed said, "If we got, oh, if we got Cam Whitmore, but no Torian Prince, do you do that?" So, meaning, if at seventeen you drafted Cam Whitmore, but that meant you did not take Torian Prince up on getting him on a one-year, four-point-five million-dollar deal, and instead you went and found a, you know, whatever point guard or whatever you wanted to add to replace JHS. I don't I think w- so. I'm probably yeah. Not. I'm on the fence. I think I'm a mark though. Okay, yeah. I, I I think I, I like Torian Prince. I think he's a tremendous value. I think he even picked him as the the best value the Lakers got. So I'm excited about what he can bring. Yeah. All right, Christian. This is not my wheelhouse here. <laughs> How does JHS pronounce his name? Uh, Shafino is, that's how I've heard it pronounced, is Shafino, um, is an Italian last name. It would be Schiaffino with the I sounding like uh, the E's in feed, Schiaffino, and the A like an apple and the O like the O in God. And the the stronger sound is on the last uh, I. So Schiaffino, but I've, I've heard Shafino. 
as, as the way that it's pronounced. That's that's what I've heard over. That's what I'm sticking with until somebody tells me otherwise. But I I'm not good when it comes to name pronunciation. I had people tell me I was I was saying Luca. I don't even say his last name most of the time. I was saying his last name wrong, and so I'm not the guy to go to. Luca Doncic. Doncic, Doncic, right, right. I mean, oh man, you see what I mean? Luka Doncic, Doncic. There you go. Oh no, maybe I botched it. See, but in terms of name pronunciation, like it's always you, you always have to get it right on. And so, I don't know if there's a, a better way to pronounce it. But what I've heard is Shafino, and until I hear otherwise, I'm I'm sticking with that. Can you do Giannis's name then? Antetokounmpo. Oh, okay. There you oh, go. Yeah, that's easy. It's the itches that always get me. <laughs> there. Uh, we appreciate you, Christian, for the in-depth uh, English yeah, assignment. Sure. Man, I'm trying to wrap my head around all that. that was right. Vucevic. <laughs> right? See, that one's easy. Vujicic. It's the itch. It's uh, Doncic. So you have to add the itch. See, that's how you did it. Doncic. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. But but no, I was trying to like say like that's how I was. I was saying it all those different ways. And, it, and people were always saying, oh, you're saying it wrong. And I always, I don't know. I get stuck on a certain way. And then, yeah. So I'm the wrong person to ask on all that. I'm better at coming up with puns for names. That's that's what I do. There you go. Yeah. Oh, uh, Syed says, I meant mid-season tourney. Will it expose LA? No. No. Because it's not any different. It's just the regular yeah. season. It's the regular season. There's not. They're just. They're using regular season games as tournament games. That's it. There's yeah, nothing. My... Nothing changes. They're playing all the same games. There's. They're all counting as regular season games. The only thing that changes is they play one extra game if they get into the championship game. That's it. Otherwise, it's all just regular season games. So, yeah, I don't think it's. I don't think it's exposing anybody. It'll be fresh. It'll be new. How do you guys feel about it? Are you guys in or out? I'm in to give it a chance. I, I'm concerned that I get it. It could be kind of hokey. And if people don't really care about it that much, then maybe it just goes away. But that's just it. I don't think it's hurting anything to try it because yeah. nothing really changes. They're still just regular season games. So if you want to ignore it, ignore it, and it'll go away. Maybe it winds up being cool. I, I'm definitely willing to give it a shot. I'm not... I'm not on board saying this is going to be amazing. I can't wait for the tournament. No, yeah. that's def that's definitely not me. But I'm also willing to give it a shot and, and just see how it plays out. I'm not down on it at all. I'm kind of with Trevor. I'm one foot in, one foot out. I'm willing to give it a shot, but I have my concerns. Yeah. At first, I was all the way out, but now I'm kind of more open-minded. Like, let's just see what happens. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I've seen there's a lot of negative reaction on social media to it, but I don't know. Like, I, I just think worst case, it goes the way of the sleeved jerseys. <laughs> Remember those things? The Cavs yeah. had a good. Are the Cavs the only team that had a pretty decent one? I remember every other team's like being really bad. Yeah, they're pretty rough. Like, I remember the Warriors jerseys and everything. Ew. Yeah, they, mm. yeah, they were they were not good. I thought the they heat. I thought the heat one was pretty cool. It was all red, right? Yeah, the all red joints. Yeah, those weren't bad. I think part of the the thought process behind it, not to wind up in a sleeved jersey rabbit hole here, but was that the average person doesn't feel comfortable wearing essentially a tank top 
Yeah. And so if you put sleeves on it, then that solves that problem. But if you saw how tight those jerseys were, I'm like, if you're not comfortable wearing a tank top, you're not going to be comfortable wearing that super tight jersey. It's like squeezing yourselves into a Spider-Man costume or something like that, right? Like, they're, you're not yeah. going to wear that. So Was there like a real stat where like shooting percentages went down? Like, I think there was. Because <laughs> they're trying to sprain your rotator cuff trying to shoot the ball. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, yeah. It, it look that's the worst case, right? With the midseason tournament, it becomes like the the shooting jerseys, and you just say, "No, nah, that's it," or the sleeve jerseys, I should say, and you say, "That's it. We're moving on. We're moving on." Um, oh, Federico closes things out for us. Uh, JH, I'm assuming means S's game is perfect for the playoffs, like Jamal Murray. That's optimistic. I'm I'm down yeah. with it. Got the size, the physicality. All of that. Oh, I can answer this one. Tia, any way we can get Lillard? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you can on 2K, though. There's definitely a pass. Sure. Was the D'Lo? You can't even trade Austin yet. Was the deal? Yeah. Is, is there D'Lo Rui in September or December? Even if the Lakers had a good offer, Portland's not going to give him to the Lakers. Um, yeah. They would send him anywhere else. But yeah, D'Lo will be December 15th. He'll be trade eligible. Same with a lot of these guys. But it's just, it's not going to happen. You, just, you don't have the right pieces to, to make that kind of a trade. It's it, it's fun to certainly think about, right? And the Lakers in years past have found ways to get guys and, and all of that. But even logistically, it doesn't really work. And it doesn't fit with what the Lakers' plan was, right? The whole offseason, the plan was, we're not going to do the things we did in the past. We're going to make smart moves, smaller moves around the edges. We're going to build upon the chemistry that we had. We're going to hit singles. That's going to be our mentality in this offseason. And they executed that plan very well, I think. For them to turn around and go, let's give up everything and go get Dame. That would be a major 180 compared to what their their plan was for the summer. Yep. Your two stars, LeBron and AD, and surround them with depth. That's the move. Yep. No, no more big three for the Lakers. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. All right, everybody. I think we're going to wrap up there. Appreciate all of you for joining us. Make sure you do subscribe right here to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Follow us over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you listen to podcasts. We will continue our live shows throughout the summer. Uh, plenty of stuff that we're going to still going to get into. Uh, but, yeah, we're, we're going to hit, like I said, 81 days till we see Lakers basketball again. But we're not going anywhere. We'll still be here breaking down everything with you guys. So, again, thank you guys for joining us. Until next time, see ya, and stay safe. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua, and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter, and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film, and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.